especially rich mine of, of words for you? I think so. I mean, technology is interesting because, of course, we are forced to take on new words because they're in new concepts. I mean, the, the notion of, say, Wi-Fi, you know, it's astonishing how quickly this has just entered the world. And, you know, for anyone who travels for business or needs to be in touch, the first thing you ask a hotel is, have you got Wi-Fi? Ten years ago, they'd stared blankly at you. <laughs> Many hotels in Britain still stare blankly at you. But technology is a huge driving force, partly because technology creates new thought processes. I mean, the notion of Bluetooth, and as I said, Wi-Fi, and texting, and SMSing, and tweeting, and poking, Facebook has an entire new vocabulary of words. In the same way, and I have to say, personally, I object to this, in the same way that if you go into certain coffee chains, you're forced to use their language. And of course, let's not forget that all brainwashers, the first thing brainwashers do is make you use their terminology. And ordering a grande, I right. think, of any kind of coffee is probably <laughs> akin to brainwashing as far as I'm I, I agree with that. That always rubs me the wrong way when I go into Starbucks. And, you know, since when is the little one the grande? Is it, that is the I mean, little one, isn't it? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I go in and say, I want a small black coffee, please. And I will just <laughs> stare at them. I will stare them down. And they'll say a grande or, or whatever. And I'll say, no, I want a small black coffee. And, you know, I have the money in my hand, so I'm going to win. But um, it's, <laughs> it's, it is true. Quite a lot of these new words I'm not particularly happy with. There was one that was quite pleasing, and this came from China, uh, amongst China's young internet users. This, oh my lady gaga, which is apparently the modern replacement for OMG, oh my god, <laughs> as a way to express shock, hilarity, or to emphasize a point. So all around uh, the internet in, in Japan, uh, Chinese netizens, as they're called, citizens on the net, are typing, oh my lady gaga. So it's sort of, oh my god, but with an ironic tone. Uh, one would hope so. I, oh, my God, but with slightly fewer clothes on. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's hard to say. Now, does a word ever actually change the way we think about something? I mean, there are absolutely words. Something like boomer, for example, the greatest generation, it certainly sets a tone. And I think there are words that somehow they hit a moment and they can communicate something and they do last often, I mean, what's difficult about writing a blog is, is finding them and spotting them when you hear them. I mean, quantitative easing, for example, a very kind of strange Rococo phrase that essentially means printing more money. It's one of those weird little phrases that came in and actually has a huge, massive symbolic impact as to what's happening in the economy. And QE is a sort of technical term that's been around and economists have used it for years. And it's often interesting when technical words, for whatever reason, either say, the pandemic, I mean, H1N1, a technical term, suddenly was everywhere. And so quite often, they're technical terms that, for whatever reason, often ill, enter into the mainstream and change the way people think. And then there are entirely non-technical terms like yakka wow. <laughs> yeah, yakka wow. A great phrase that was actually a mishearing. It's a portmanteau of yuck and wow. And in the Times, they were quoting Baroness Greenfield, who's a neuroscientist, and they thought she said yakka wow, and she said yuck and wow. And it seemed to capture people's imagination, and the yakka wow meme went everywhere. And I don't know, I quite like mishearings and overhearings. There was a glorious moment when George Bush was at a big international state event with Tony Blair, and they both had their microphones on, and Bush walked up to Blair and said, yo, Blair. And for the British media, that was just, it <laughs> summed up everything that they thought about Blair's sort of poodle-like relationship with George Bush. Of course, I mean, the, the thing that's frustrating in a way is that, you know, you hear these stories about political gaffes and things that people shouldn't say, even if they really believe them. And, you you know, the, the conclusion you have to come to is they should use the blandest language possible because otherwise it'll get them in trouble. 
Well, what you realize, and you only have to look at, say, the healthcare debate in America, what you realize is that the words politicians use are, I think quite sadly, focus grouped to death. And you only have to look at the notion of, of the phrase death panel, an astonishingly powerful phrase that really captured people's imagination. And there are highly paid, very talented consultants who literally spend their days putting phrases, talking points to focus groups to try and get the exact phrase. You know, if you call something a tax, that's one thing. If you call it a rebate, that's another. If you call it an allowance, I mean, you know, the notion of redefining, as they did in Britain, unemployed to job seeker. Well, it's a very, very interesting definition. And you only have to look at, you know, the work of George Orwell to realize that politics and language are hugely intertwined. And I don't think politicians are speaking in more banal terms. I think they're speaking in much more coded terms. In Australia, there's this phrase, dog whistle politics, which is a way of speaking about, say, race or religion or abortion in a coded way. So it sounds reasonable, but people who know what you're talking about know what the phrases.